Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and oh, it's funny how these things happen. Just last week on the show, I mentioned that I tried to space out the Dragon Con recordings uh, from panels or or from uh, celebrity deals or whatever so that they weren't all at the same time and you guys got fresh content and and not that these uh, panels are not that there's anything wrong with them at all i'm very proud to have been a part of them and they are pretty much always awesome but i like to you know dragon con was months ago and i like to try and keep some kind of whether it's a movie discussion or a commentary or whatever the case may be uh, try and keep something fresh and current mixed in with posting of content that was recorded a little while ago. So last week I said I don't like to punch these all up. This week uh, I have overtime at work, which means I essentially have one day off this week uh, and six, six, yes, six 12-hour shifts. Uh, so I don't have time to record fresh content for you guys. As a matter of fact, my February is so bonkers. And, and uh, our pal Bo Brown stated that 2018 was the year of bonkers. 2019, we're carrying bonkers forward into the new year. Uh, so February is so bonkers. I'm not sure we're going to be able to do a commentary this month. Uh, we already know what movie we were going to do. We're still going to do that movie as soon as we possibly can but i i don't have time to get everybody together and and do it because there's just there's stuff going on there's a wedding uh there's we're having to go see the lego movie after i work a shift and before i go back in the next day because there's no other time we can go see it and i'm not going to put that one off because phantom jr is so excited about it uh we got uh, there's an early screening of Alita that I'm having to go to on a day that I wouldn't normally have gone because otherwise I'm not going to get to see that movie as soon as I want to see it. Uh, there, there's just one thing after another, and then I go on nights uh, at the end of the month, and generally there's no good time to do anything then. And we've got to record our Toy Fair episode, which is already scheduled. That's already happening for sure. Uh, unless Toy Fair gets canceled or something, which seems very unlikely. Uh, so the Toy Fair episode is taken up one night. Uh, it's just one thing after another that squeezed out basically any uh, free time that I have to get together with people and record. So this week, as I said, these Dragon Con panels are all great, but they're from months ago. But this one is amazing i cannot believe i got to take part in this conversation uh and share a stage with sting and the nature boy rick flair now i already posted rick flair's solo episode because that one out of all of the panels that i did at dragon con that one was the most requested so we went ahead and got that up but now it is time for the panel with rick flair and sting which is a very different energy it's the sting is funny which i didn't know what to do with that everything he said went over got a big laugh it's a great panel and and i'm so excited that you guys are finally getting to hear it now so it, it this is, works out fine uh it's just this originally this week was going to be a transformers episode where we talked about bumblebee and stuff and we'll still do that at some point in the future but uh i just i got no time to record you guys i only have time to do an intro and to present to you it's not time yet it's not time yet uh sting and the nature boy rick flair live from dragon con and that'll be in a couple minutes first i got a few things i do want to talk about because 
uh, when, when I say I don't have time to record, it doesn't mean I have no free time at all. However, I want to spend some time with my family. I know that's crazy, uh, but I like hanging out with my son and playing video games and, and watching, catching up on Young Justice. I like watching horror movies and TV shows with my wife. There is family time uh, that needs to be had, and, and right now that's kind of more important to me than ever. So that's a big consideration as well. And what I've been doing is some of that family time that I've been getting, as, as you know, if you've been following me on online, uh, Phantom Troublemaker on Instagram, uh, Dave West on Facebook, is I went back and watched Hannibal. I talked about it last week, and I just want to say that I finished it, and it's awesome. The front end of the third season is not great it like there are great moments and there's cool stuff in there but it's kind of draggy but then the back half of the third season and i won't say what it is if you haven't watched it i don't want to spoil anything but it's amazing and the end of the show is just perfect they they, they couldn't have ended the series any better so uh, hannibal still gets two thumbs up from me high recommendation if you haven't watched it it's it's gruesome the characters are brilliant. Uh, I have exactly one problem, one real problem with it, and it's a story thing, not an execution thing. Like, it's it's what happened to one of the characters, excuse me, who happened to be one of my favorites, and uh, it's just, I, I, I don't like it, but it's one of those things where it's part of the story and it makes sense and it works within the story. I just don't like it because of how I feel about that character and my hopes for them for, for the potential future, which by the way, uh, Brian Fuller is apparently still actively pursuing the rights to silence of the lambs so that he can take his version of these characters and adapt that story in some way, whether it's a miniseries or a film or whatever. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy and everybody else are on board for this, uh, providing their schedules work out. It's, it's something that they're just trying to figure out. Uh, and I hope it happens. I, I really do hope it happens. Uh, moving on, finished Hannibal and needed something else for us to sit and, and watch when we've got time. And that something else has ended up being Russian Doll, which is a new show on Netflix starring Natasha Lyonne. Uh, Amy Poehler's a producer. I'm not exactly sure who the creative team behind it is, but we got uh, to like two and a half episodes in today uh, before we we had other things to do. And it's great, and the momentum it's building is awesome. Like in the second episode, it really builds to this point where you're just laughing hysterically at the circumstances. Uh, it's it's another sort of version of the Groundhog Day scenario, but it seems to run a little deeper and have a little more to it. I have no idea what's going on yet, but I can tell you Natasha Leone uh, plays a New Yorker who is uh, sort of, honestly, this is your stereotypical New York. Everybody's really artsy and liberal and and uh, weird and unique. And it's very tongue-in-cheek. They're, they're playing it as these characters, like the creators know how ridiculous these characters are, but they're also not belittling them in any way. Uh, they're... they're they're both celebrating and acknowledging the uh, the weirdness. I don't I don't know quite how to explain it. It's something that I can very much enjoy because if something's too mean, I can't appreciate it. But if something takes the uh, the 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 artistic, uh, earthy. You know what I mean. The Daniel Bryan type characters, if you will. If something takes them too seriously, I can't enjoy that either. Like, there's got to be middle ground for, for anything. And that goes for, for the other side, too. If uh, if somebody's a little too serious about protecting the rich for some reason or class stuff, like, that's not fun. Uh, but if somebody's too mean about it, that you know, both both sides. It goes both ways. I enjoy middle ground. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know what? I would even say this is almost sort of a liberal. It's lovingly poking fun at the the stereotypical New York lifestyle. How about that? Uh, which I can enjoy. But anyway, I, I got way too far off track on that one. Uh, Natasha Leone dies over and over again, 
And honestly, I don't even know if the story is that she has to figure out why, although that's what's going on, but I don't know if that's the point of the show. Uh, but it, it's done in a very different way from like Happy Death Day or, or Groundhog's Day or, or in any of the other types of, of time loop things that have come out. It's its its own take. And my concern going in was, well, I've seen this so many times before, but it's, it's done it's very much about her character uh and the way that it works you're getting very different experiences each time but anyway my point is the show's great and you should check it out uh there there is the tone takes some getting used to but that's okay there's nothing wrong with that uh it's 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 beautifully shot and it's that again it's that new york that's going to make you long to live in New York because it just looks so beautiful and exciting and rich and and full of culture and so much better than the suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I recommend Russian Doll. Finally, my last rock recommendation, uh, even though I've crossed the 10-minute mark, which is usually right around where I try and keep these intros, I just want to mention GoBots from IDW. It's a GoBots comic book. It's super weird. Uh, it's visually... Uh, the art, the storytelling is very good, very, it's, it's different from any comic book you're reading. Don't go into it expecting like an action-packed Transformers comic. It's a, it's almost like it's using the uh, all-ages comic book format to tell a much richer and more complicated story. It's very hard to describe what it is but it's it's cool I, i'm very much enjoying it and I, I thought it's one of those things where you read the initial solicitation and you're like man if this is what i feel it's going to be it could be so awesome but if i'm reading too much into this then it's not going to be what i'm expecting and i'm going to be disappointed this is delivering on what I was hoping it would be, uh, which is a, a weird sort of, uh, I, I hate to say social commentary, but it is. There's social commentary in there. There's, uh, but, but it's also very simplistic while being very complex. I, I don't know. Again, if you read it, you'll understand what I'm talking about, but I recommend it. The trade is coming out in a couple of months. Uh, it's in newest previews rundown on needlessthingspodcast.com. Uh, you can go there see what you think of the trade and then order it from your local comic book shop i highly recommend it it's definitely worth your time just for the art just to see these GoBots rendered in uh comic book beauty so anyway there you go there's a few things that are going on with me mainly work is going on with me i'm exhausted right now this is my one day off out of these seven days and you guys, I can't even tell you how much I'm going to be losing my mind by Sunday when I get a trainee at work. That's some solid planning, right? Let's work this guy's uh, work this guy four 12-hour shifts in a row, and then on the fourth day, we're going to give him a trainee to uh, to to show how to do this incredibly intensive and difficult job. Uh, good plan, good plan. But it's okay. I. I uh, I have some of you who've been around for several years may remember the last time I had a trainee, which was the last time I had a trainee, and it, it didn't go great. Uh, it, was, it was a very, very bad time. One of the worst experiences I've ever had. Uh, but I have, I believe, ensured that I shouldn't have to endure anything like that again because uh, when you work somewhere for almost 14 years now, you do have a little bit of autonomy in how you do things, even if you work for a big, giant corporation. So hopefully I will not have to ever, ever go through an experience like that last one again. But you guys are lucky because right now you get to travel back in time to Dragon Con and experience the man called Sting and the nature boy, Rick Flair! Enjoy. <laughs> Dragon Con 
2018, this panel is a two-way match scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. Two WWE Hall of Famers are about to perform on this stage, sharing their stories, answering your questions. Can I get a big Dragon Con welcome? <laughs> on his way to the stage... Holder of 25 different championships, ladies and gentlemen, the man called Give a warm Atlanta welcome for the 16-time world heavyweight champion, the Nature Boy, Rick Welcome to Dragon Con, gentlemen. Thank you. Now, I understand last night uh, at DCW, you showed up, got in the ring. It was your first time in a Dragon Con ring, experiencing the uh, yes. uniqueness of Dragon Con wrestling. <laughs> so, we're going to take some questions from you guys. Uh, we have... Our microphone attendant right there walking down the middle. If you would like to line up, the gentleman's going to come all the way up to the front here. If you'd like to line up behind him, uh, if you've got questions for Sting and for Ric Flair, who I am currently sitting at a table with at DragonCon, <laughs> uh, go ahead and line up. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I just wanted to, uh, I've got a couple of questions for you guys to get things rolling. We gotta, you gotta warm up before a match. That's sure. important. So we gotta warm up before a Q&A. Uh, you gentlemen have both been on top of the industry at various times. You work hard, you perform, and you become a master of your craft. But at what point do you know I'm the best right now? I'm the main event, I'm drawing money. Like, what, what is, when do you get that realization? Because, you know, you don't always know about yourself just how great you are. Hmm. You want to start? Yeah, I can start. I, you know, for, for me, I, it, as you're talking and asking the question, I'm going all the way back to the very beginning when, you know, I was trying to work my way up, up the ranks and how did I figure out that I was suddenly, you know, known or somebody in the wrestling business um, when I was face to face with this guy right here? It's not just words. I really mean that. I mean, obviously, everybody wanted to wrestle Ric Flair at the time, and, and you know, way back when, when Dusty said, "Baby, sting a baby, put, 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 put some color on your face." <laughs> And I'm going to put you with the nature boy. And, uh, you know, and then we did this little deal in Raleigh, North Carolina with J.J. It was Ric Flair Day. And, you know, the rest is history. And, you know, it was me being face-to-face -face with Ric Flair for the first time. I went, wow, this, I, I think I've arrived. <laughs> um, well, that was, you know, obviously a great moment for me. But um, I started, you know, obviously, uh, like, 15 years older than Steve, or whatever, more than that maybe. Um, <laughs> I, um, I thought that I knew what I was doing in 78, and then I, you know, but I only knew because I was wrestling really good wrestlers at that time. The Mid-Atlantic area was Wahoo, Jack Mulligan, the Briscoes, Dick Roberts, Piper, I mean, it was the who's who of the business. Um, Bob Orton Jr., Slater, Everybody. So um, I didn't. I never stepped out of that. I call it the protective circle of, of of great performers that I was fortunate enough to be in the ring with. 
When I won the world title in 81, it was a complete disaster. I thought, no, I know, I thought I was, boy, this is it. I'm ready, and it's really, a, it was really at that time a really political issue to become the world champion. And the Funks and the Von Erics and the Eddie Graham in Florida, Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico, Don Owens, there was nine or 10 votes. So they finally conceded to Jim Crockett, who they didn't like, because Jim wasn't, he was second generation. His father had all the relationships, had built the relationships. So, so they gave me the title, and um, well, I started going to different towns, and I was just, I failed miserably. Because I, I'd wrestle an hour every night with guys that, um, I won't even tell you, because you don't know any of them. You know, I got to ended up wrestling Dusty a couple times, and then uh, this is before uh, Steve came along and Sting. So um, when I won it for the second time in '83, then I knew I was ready because I had prepared myself for the ups and downs of the travel, and the schedule back then was insanity. You know, I, I keep people think I'm mad at Wichita, Kansas, because I use them in my 30 for 30. But <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I keep going back to Kansas, when you're wrestling at a state fair on Saturday, changing clothes in a trailer and using a shower outside at a state fair with pigs and cows and mud for an hour, you're the world champion in front of 100 people. <laughs> we give you something to think about and the reason it's only afterwards. Wichita, maybe 200 people at the most for an hour. And that's with Brody and people like that, so it's, it's a nightmare. Um, so I used to go say to my people, if they were, where are you this week, I'd go to Moscow. Go to Russia for the week. So I would check into the Holiday Inn Grand Plaza downtown, of course. And I would spend three thousand dollars that week at the hotel, drinking and running around town, and I'd get a check for eleven hundred. So <laughs> that's pretty much my life story. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to turn that around now, but uh, you know, <laughs> I don't regret it though. I had fun. <laughs> I wasn't doing the Motel 6, that wasn't, that wasn't, no matter what I had to do. <laughs> and in making your way to the top of the sport, uh, you know, once you get there, how do you, how do you deal with the responsibility to work with new blood and, you know, bring them up to your level and teach them the business and how everything works. Like, how seriously do you take that as as sort of part of being well, on top? Here's here's where I really lucked out. You know, you're looking it, 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 even when when uh, Sting got in the business, the older veterans, the good guys, we call them the you know, the, the baby faces, whatever terminology we're using today. They they hated young guys handsome with good bodies coming along. Steamboat is the classic example of a guy that just had to battle uphill. And when I saw Steamboat, we were in Crockett's office, and I don't know how old this audience is, I don't know what the reaction I get, but Crockett said, we can get this blood kid, his name is Richard Blood, and, really, uh, and, we, and they want one-man gang. I said, you got to be kidding me, because I've been doing Atlanta TV, get him up here. And the rest is history. Ricky Steamboat, you know, obviously, one, one of the greatest of all time. And we went, and I, I just said, George, to George Scott, I said, this guy, and I, he was fun, he was exciting, the girls loved him. And, um, um, and he was, you know, fun to work with, and he became, he became a phenomenal phenomenal performers, everybody knows. So now, go 10 years later, roughly 10 years later, along comes this young man, right? Who was in, I had seen in Oklahoma, correct if I'm wrong, with Watts, mm -hmm. tagged up with the then, with the ultimate warrior at that time. And uh, um, so 
ultimate warrior went his direction, Sting came to us, and I just said to Dusty, this guy is, he's gonna be gold, you know. But that didn't mean that, I'm not the one that put it together, Dusty did obviously, but um, here he is, you know, with this play. And, and they put us in a tough situation because um, it was, we went up against WrestleMania. But it was, uh, that was our way of trying to battle our way back in. And uh, Clash of Champions, the first one ever in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, we went like 40 minutes. I was screaming at Jackie Crockett, I can still remember, because he, they missed the timing on the clock, you know what I mean? So, but it was a great match. And, so easy to perform with. I mean, just he, he was magic, and the people loved him, and uh, the girls loved him, uh, which was a big part of it. One time, believe it or not, women women were part of our audience. It's a guy, it's a guy soap opera now, but I mean, at one time, uh, women were part of the audience, and uh, thank God. <laughs> After a long day of work. <laughs> but anyway, so many good times, and, um, and he and I, it wasn't even like going to work. We didn't talk, we didn't do anything we knew we were doing, and just that when I saw my name slash uh, Sting, I went, God, how easy is this? It wasn't even like going to work, and we just, and we had fun, and I think he feels the same way. It wasn't... It, 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 what, what came, what, what caused any riff, never between he and I personally, but, um, but just when they, WCW got rolling and there were so many different factions that were grasping for control of the time and the top spot, I just said, I just went with Arn and sat in my dressing room and uh, staying at his friends and Paul and Ash were over here, and Hogan and Savage were here, and it wasn't the same. But when I did get to wrestle them a few times that we, uh, later on, and, and before the company closed down, we always had a good time and we always drew money. So that's, that's the story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and, and on top of that, I said it last night, it's hard, you know, you come across friends over the years and guys that are legit, you know, Genuine and you know people that you just really look forward to seeing and uh, even though we don't share the same lifestyles we I don't we never really have but always a gentleman first class not afraid to say what he thinks and uh, one of the best performers ever. Gracious words. Yeah, thank you. Oh, true. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, way back when, Rick had a choice, you know, when, when Dusty put us both together, you know, Rick had a choice to either make me or, or break me, and it, you know, it's a give and take kind of a business. And thankfully, you know, I, I learned respect in this business, and, you know, keep your mouth shut, you know, and, and listen a lot. Uh, I learned to do that, and I think Rick saw that, and he trusted me a little bit, so... You know, you got to develop some some level of trust first with somebody, and then you've got to be willing to give, and there's got to be some taking going on, and, and a good balance of all that. And you know, when when you got somebody like Rick who is willing to say, "Okay, I trust, and I'm going to teach this guy." You know, I learned more with Rick in the first six months being in the ring with him than I had the first two years of being in the business, and I was wrestling every single day. So that's one of the lessons I learned really early on. So. Question was, you know, what, how do we treat, you know, these guys coming up after us, and, and how do we teach them? Well, Rick taught me how to do it, that's for sure, and, and uh, it's a it's a good deal to to pour into somebody, and you just kind of have to know when to pour in and when not to. Um, there are so many angles and storylines. I'm embarrassed that I was ever in. <laughs> yeah. We love it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm great. Yeah. 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 You guys have, you have so much material on you. It's funny because um, the thing that, uh, first of all, I, I don't think he'd ever done that before. I'm pretty, I'm positive he had to talk, but to tell somebody you're going to go out and wrestle for an hour on live TV, 
Go walk on a treadmill. Just go walk on a treadmill level three for an hour. <laughs> you guys get here. And whoever did it, show up tomorrow morning. And I guarantee it. No, I'm serious. That's a long time in the ring. And yeah, you can throw a guy out on the floor and catch your breath, but there, it, you know, it, it, to, to keep the people watching, which you have to do when you're on television, it tends to, that flipper switch or whatever we call it, the remote, change it for everybody, where people can go and figure out their chair to change the channel. So, um, and we were on TV, so uh, I think we got the highest rating that they've ever had, uh, even to this day, on a wrestling event. TBS, so seven five or something like that. Yeah, forty-five minute commercial free. Yeah, yeah. So and it was forty-five or forty-eight minutes, whatever it was. But it was, uh, you know, to get someone to do that, and he never took a deep breath. So that's the hardest thing is to go out there and relax because you can. Thank God, I got how long? How much longer? Forty minutes longer? Thirty? And brother, when you're in a ring with someone that can't wrestle, I'm asking a timekeeper every minute. <laughs> I got a great story for you. <laughs> I'm wrestling a guy named Bob Brown. I don't even think Sting knows what that is, but he was a big star in Kansas City. Bulldog? Yeah. Buck Rogley, who was Brody's guy, was the, was the booker. And we're in some little shit down again. And, and, and uh, the match was so bad. So I said to Sonny Myers, he was the referee old timer. I said, when I push you, push him back. He said, you can't push me. I said, Sonny, fuck over here. <laughs> and he was always, you know, counting and backing up me. So <laughs> I pushed him. And he pushed me back, and that started to, <laughs> a whole new wave in the business. Because <laughs> it got a bigger pop than the match. <laughs> I did that about three more times. <laughs> so, uh, Buck rolled that walked through the curtain. He goes, man, that's cheap heat for the world champion. You can't do that. I said, tell you something, buddy. Go out there and wrestle Bob Brown for now. <laughs> Let me stand here. Are you kidding me? I incorporated it. I took that pushing the ref everywhere. And if the crowd wasn't making enough noise, I took a bump for them. He's seen it all. Even when we were having a good match, we threw it in just to have fun. Hey, as my skills declined, more pushes and more falls. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment value was something I was never sure. Stay. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, oh. See, there's another one, the Black Scorpion. Some idiot. I'm not flying. You probably hear some idiot last night said to me, "The match with you and Sting as a Black Scorpion was the greatest match I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> I looked at Wendy and I said, kill my stove. You don't know how drunk I got that night. They bring you out with a full suit and a mask and you're doing the Ric Flair strut. <laughs> I've been in the ring for three hours. Oh, well, well, gentlemen, I got drunk at the Marriott that night, man. <laughs> Are we ready for yeah, go ahead. some questions from these fans? Outstanding. <laughs> um, so, thank you for being here. It's an honor to meet you guys. Um, I wanted to ask, like, for me, a little bit younger, uh, we, for me, the best wrestling I've ever seen is when. Nitro and Raw were in direct competition with each other, and everybody had to bring their A game every single week. Um, and I kind of feel like there's been a little bit lost on that now, just because the competition isn't there as much. I was wondering if you guys um, had any thoughts on that, and you know, ways that you know WWE might be able to, to bring a little more fire back in terms of the competition stuff. You, man, that kind of competition at the time, I mean, you had two, you know, major engines, global engines, you know, well-known for, you know, decades. 
battling it out. And, and you know, right now there there's really only WWE. Uh, it, it would take another billionaire. Another <laughs> Bischoff. Uh, I don't even know if that would work. To be honest, I, I really don't. Uh, TV is a massive power, that's for sure. It, it would have to be the right TV, for sure. Yeah, the um, you know what 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 drove that was the was the crossover of the personalities, as much as the promotions, because the guys coming from there, especially Hulk, but Kevin and uh, Scott Hall coming over was a was a big deal. You know, it's funny because I I tell this story a lot. The first week that they came, they put them out in the ring with Buff Bagwell and uh, Scotty um, Scott. Riggs. Scotty Riggs, right? Crowd didn't budge. Next week they put him in the ring with Sting. So he made him. That's, that's what it is. And, and that people can, they can't argue that with me. We were making Georgia, I was there to see it. They didn't give a shit about him, wrestling Buff and, and Scotty Riggs. But bring Sting into it, so, you know, which was all, you know, what we do in the business. You give the rub back. But um, that's basically what did it. He was the pond that, they built that whole thing around. And of course, then they made the all-time mistake of firing Steve Austin. So, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> and that. That really worked for us, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Having been in the industry, do you, do you feel that WWE at this point has been doing what they've been doing for so long? They're the innovators. They're so good at what they've been doing that it's just unlikely that anybody could even catch up to their level to be competition. Well, I heard a number in 99 when, it was 99 when Vince bought WCW, right? Rupert Murdoch, I think at that time, was entertaining the thought. 2001. 2000, whatever it was, 2001, was entertaining the thought of doing it. And they told Rupert Murdoch that it would cost him $500 million just to open the doors and that's without talent. So that, that's what kind of investment that, that they have in their product. I mean, if, if, you, you know, if you look at it, and I don't think enough people understand, NFL copies wrestling, NBA is copying wrestling now. I mean, the All-Star game, it, it looks like looks like Nitro in the old days. With, with <laughs> and and it, Major League Baseball, not so much, but um, I would just hear the... Uh, soccer game for the uh, all-star game here a couple weeks ago and I mean all the pyro all the entrances the music it all came from our guys from from our industry which is a you know a credit at one time I looked at him I said who's who's your competition this is like in the 90s he said Disney he didn't recognize anybody else right now he doesn't look at Disney's being competition he just he just keeps moving but he, he's the hardest working man alive. He, he doesn't miss anything. All right, next question. Hi guys, thanks for coming to Atlanta. Uh, this is Rick. This is sort of uh, in the same vein of competition. Had you jumped ship to the WWF in 1988, like you originally offered, what would have happened to the NWA? To wrestlers, uh Savage, right? Yeah. SummerSlam? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, boy. I sat there. I was in my home in Providence Plantation, which you've been to the ragged gym outside. In the separately built gym. Anyway. <laughs> the one across from Bennings. <laughs> no, in Charlotte. Anyway, so I, it was right there at the table for me, and I... He called me and I, um, you know, I just, um, I think about it, all my friends were there. It wasn't a question of leaving um, and not having friends, does that make sense? It was a question of, I was so comfortable and happy, I mean, that's when the horsemen were at their height. We had, we had Sting, the Rock and Roll, the Midnight Express, Nikita, I mean, we were, Road warriors. I mean, we just we were stacked. You know what I mean? And and in a, a different statement, but being honest, to, in my opinion, 
If we had stayed east of the Mississippi, we'd still be in business. It was that California stuff that went Crockett that, mm -hmm. that killed us going out there. And uh, um, anyway, I just I said no, and uh, I called Dusty. He said to me, "Well, he kind of played played the card too." He said, "Yeah, yeah, I just come to Roanoke, drop the belt a little bit, and go have fun." <laughs> oh, so that made me think too. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I've known Randy. I, I helped break Randy into business, so. I don't know. I, I don't regret it, and it all worked out for me. Um, um, I'm glad he didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. The guy that I tried to talk into going at least five times in serious conversations was him. I go, God, this guy is, you know, because he was ready-made for Vince McMahon. If you think the ultimate lawyer got over, really, this kid would have just been. I mean, I, I don't know what they could have done, but he because. Not that Austin Ware wasn't good at what he did, but he wasn't nearly the performer that this thing is. So um, they would have taken him and guys like DiBiase, and they would have had world-class matches, you know, instead of the four-minute, you know, which worked for him for a while. But eventually, they had to come back and start putting some time in. Hey guys. I was a long-time WCW fan, and I want to thank y'all for carrying the torch for all those years. So my question to you, Mr. Shane, from someone who grew up watching you, who was Mr. WCW and held out forever going to WWE and WWF, did you ever come close to doing it before? Because you were the long-time holdout, the long-time guy that never jumped shit. How close did you ever come or just share anything about that? Thank you. Yeah, no, there, there were a couple of times over the years that uh, I would have conversation with Vince, as a matter of fact, and uh, the conversations were always, always good. Um, you know, and it looked like uh, there would be a good chance that I would go, and then I'd go back to WCW, and we'd, you know, work out contract details, and, and WCW always ended up giving me uh, what I asked for. And, uh, you know, I was able to control, you know, how long, how many days a year I was going to go out and work with WCW in those contracts. And I know that, uh, you know, going up to WWE at the time, I was not going to be able to do that. I would not uh, have been happy making the commitment that Vince wanted me to make, you know, all those years ago. Um, and then later on, you know, um, right when WCW closed or, or a few years after, we spoke again. And uh, this was, you know, TNA. <laughs> and I always tell the story, you know, uh, once again, TNA they just kind of gave me what I wanted, and I, I great conversations with Vince. Then the attorneys get involved, and things kind of go awry. <laughs> that that happened every single time. But you know, I'll never forget Vince saying, you know, when I told him, I said, I'm going to go to TNA, and he said, you know, the legacy that you leave behind, Stan, and the thought of you going to TNA is just. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward even farther now, uh, you know, I ended up doing WrestleMania, as you guys know. Uh, you know I, I put out some feelers there, you know, have you turned the page on me yet? After the situation, and uh, the rest is history. So I'm, I'm glad they, they allowed me the opportunity to do a WrestleMania. You're one of the greatest. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen, for coming here this morning. Uh, welcome, DragonCon. Uh, my question is, let's say it was a five-on-five scenario, Team Flair versus Team Sting. <laughs> Everyone in the prime of their, of their careers, with yourselves included, what other forts uh, wrestlers would you have on your team? <laughs> <laughs> Robocop dudes with attitude. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he said, you forgot David Arquette. <laughs> yeah, I did. He's wrestling again. He's, he's working again. 
right. Mr. Flair, who are you going to assemble to take on? Oh, I was going to be serious because there was. <laughs> Assembling this five-man super team, <laughs> who? But but legit, your legit super team. My legit super team would be Arn Anderson. <laughs> you mean you're talking about just who I would think would be a great team that would draw money and everything? Absolutely, not just the best wrestlers, right? Absolutely, money. I'd be Arn Austin, um, Taker. Oh, him. Yeah, I, couldn't think, I couldn't think of a better group that could, that could uh, you know, work. You know, Arn and I could work either way with them. Um, yeah. I would say Steamboat, but, um, um, you know, he really, he really deferred from me when it came to drinking. But close as we, he and I are, I couldn't get him out at all. The close, he was training for the Mr. North Carolina contest against Jimmy Snuka, which I don't know if Steve even knows the story. And Snuka had won Mr. Y like five times prior to getting a visit. Jimmy had a phenomenal physique, but so did Steve I'll use a word that I only learned through guys like Steve. They both, uh, Steamboat had what they call great symmetry. <laughs> Frank Zane. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, there you go, yeah. I used to follow that stuff. So, I'm wrestling Steamboat every night for an hour, guys. True story. You know what he'd do? He would eat three chicken McNuggets and drink one Miller Lite. <laughs> every night. <laughs> And I traveled with him back then because we were on last all the time. 
Um, so, um, yeah, can you imagine that? And we'd go back to his house because I was living with him. I was in between. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> One day I had a place to live. The next day my shit was on the lawn. <laughs> He's eating like 60 to 80 carbs a day, wrestling me for an hour every night and training. You talk about commitment. And he won the contest. It was great, you know, that when all the guys get involved, it was at Ovens Auditorium in Charlotte, which you remember on Independence. 3,000 people showed up for it. It was great. But Steamboat won. And Jimmy had a hell of a physique. Unbelievable. But Ricky looked like a million bucks. Wasn't his chest all chopped up? Steve oh, yeah, well, he was tan. His face had healed from the Harley. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it just getting back to the five guys, it's hard to pick a group like that, but there was so much great talent back there. Kurt Angle's another one you got to add to yeah. the list of my opinion. Yeah. Uh, not only was he a great draw, but man, he could work with anyone. Yeah. He could have a great match yeah. with anybody. Even Robocop? <laughs> 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 I just did a uh, talk on his documentary. And uh, boy, Kurt's been through some shit, guys. So God bless Kurt. I hope it does well. I, I learned something. But I, I like Steve Agree. I've never seen anybody uh, in, as a man catch on to the business as fast as he did. He's not just a great wrestler, he's a great athlete. Yeah. All right, who we got next? Thanks, Dave, for your guys. Long time, man. Real pleasure, you guys. Of all the time we spent watching you guys learning chops, different style locks, you guys both had to get the dad. What was your favorite promo you've ever cut, whether it be solo or stable? Wow. I've never been told that I had the gift of gab. <laughs> Rick has the gift of gab. It's funny, you know, I, I, way back when, wrestling him, sometimes I'll do these autograph sessions, and you know, like we're going to do today, and people will come up with these pictures, these old shots of Rick and me, and there's this, always Rick, his veins are sticking out of his neck like this. He's going like this, and I'm sitting there like, the only thing I can do is go, woo! I mean, I couldn't talk at all. You know, I remember you got the story about you and Luger standing behind this, the, the curtain like this, and I'm doing my promo, and I said something like, roses are red, violets are blue, and the rest of the mind or anything. Nothing made any kind of sense at all, but it made sense to me at the time. And the crowd popped. And the, the way Rick tells the story, Luger's looking like this with Rick, and he goes, <laughs> so, I mean, I never had the ability to really interview. Really, I don't think I did until, you know, later years. Uh, you know, Crow Sting a little bit with WCW when I finally opened my mouth, you know. But I was always, it's just like these little one-liner things, you know, Randy Savage. So I see you're dressed pretty in pink tonight. <laughs> and those kind of things and kind of get a, a reaction from, from you all, especially when I was so stoic for so long. But I you know with the Joker character in uh, TNA, I think, you know, that's when I learned to interview a little bit. You know, I, I kind of, boy, it's long, too. <laughs> Gift of gab right there. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't pick one out. Just... The, you know, the funny thing of it is that people say, God, was that all scripted? We would literally either fly in or work Friday night the night before, like in Columbus or, or here even in Atlanta at the convention center of the Omni and go over to Techwood at what, 9 o'clock in the morning and uh, let them fly. I just thought of it. I mean, the best one probably that got the most attention was the... Uh, we were laughing. <laughs> but all the girls that were in the bar that was the night before, the college girls, headed to, headed to Florida for spring break, right? So I said, I said, I got to think of something cool. So that's when I said, uh, 
for all you girls that are traveling down to Orlando, you know, thinking that's the only place you can ride Space Mountain. <laughs> if, if you're tired during your drive, pull over Riverdale Road to Marriott, the mountain will be open all night long. <laughs> Of course, that was really well received at home. Why do you keep saying where you're staying at night? I think it was a rage. <laughs> Marriott, Philadelphia, Baltimore. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> 18 to 28, no boyfriends, no husband. I've had to raise that now to 35 to 42. <laughs> Yes, sir. How you doing, guys? Uh, great to meet you. I'm a little bit of a younger person. I didn't go through the WCW or the Nitro era, but I do go back and watch a lot of stuff. So, um, could you guys talk a little bit more about the Shockmaster incident that you had? I know the same is right there watching, but I see it, it, Rick, Rick kind of just slides away. <laughs> wasn't, it, wasn't there a 20 year anniversary or something? Oh, yeah, they did. That'll be remembered like Titus O'Neil falling down inside. <laughs> One of those things I'll never forget. Yeah, well, what they did is they, they put this two-inch piece of plywood um, in the frame after the rehearsal, right? Wasn't that to help support I, it? I don't remember if it was that. But it was just, you know, he was Dusty's uh, brother-in-law, and it was just, you know, a great guy. You wouldn't find a nicer guy, but... Right. That kind of stuff's hard to come back from. <laughs> me, you can check me in the mental institution. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it work. <laughs> they, they put me in rehab. They tried everything with me. <laughs> My first day in rehab. <laughs> going off the chart here. But everybody knows I spent all the time there. My wife, who I'm getting married to in two weeks, actually. <laughs> So, the, uh, <laughs> the chick looks at me and goes, um, what do you, are, you, are you adjusting to everything? I said, yeah, fine. She said, well, what's wrong? I said, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, yeah, there's something wrong. I said, oh, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I had their ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I knew... You know, drifting again, but I knew that I was completely sane when the guy next to me, who was a colonel with a silver star and a bronze, whatever, the, you know, very high dec very highly decorated, was there. And I said to him, if you could be anywhere again, where would you want to be right now at this very moment? And he said, I wish my Humvee would pull us out here with all my unit, man. I've been back in Afghanistan. I look at him and said, you need to be here for six months, for the month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I've got a lot of time for the, for the vets. So I'm being serious on that statement, man. They go through a lot when you get that fried that you can't find anything in life, you know, put your feet on when you come back after a couple of years over there, boy. And I, I witnessed it with him. It just, if you talk to him, his normal could be, but boy, he was, you know, on the, at the edge all the time. You wouldn't know it until you got in conversation with him. So, go ahead, more about wrestling. <laughs> we, we have time for one more question. So, this question is your main event. No pressure. Not whatsoever. Uh, again, thank you guys for coming out. Uh, All In is going to be in Chicago, uh, I think, tomorrow. Uh, with the rise of internet pay-per-views and smaller promotions like Ring of Honor, Shimmer, things like that, uh, can you see any correlations or parallels between internet uh, picking up TV for wrestling and the territories? You feel like the territory is going to come back as something on the internet as individual promotions. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll tell you something that did shock me. Um, 
and this is along the lines of ring of honor you mentioned and all that like tomorrow night we talk about chicago with cody yeah. right and, and conrad yeah they're, they're sold out yeah yeah cody's got ten thousand people at that wrestling match tomorrow night against uh vicky james uh, yeah nick magnus they sold out ten thousand seats they wanted me to uh and they used the NWA belt. They wanted me to present it to him. And then, of course, Conrad is my future son-in-law. But that thing is so loud in that they're going to absolutely kill that podcast thing. But how many people here knew that, you know, we've got WrestleMania in, in uh, Brooklyn this year, right? Not Brooklyn, in the Meadowlands, right? Yeah. Do you know who was in the Madison Square Garden that same night? And New Japan. Yeah. Sold out the garden in two minutes. Did you know that? No, I'm, I'm, I've been hearing stories about that. Didn't Cody go there too? Madison Square Garden? No, no, no. no. <laughs> but but here, here's the deal though. Madison Square Garden to rent for the night is $3 million. So before they made a dime, they've had to spend $3 million. That's why we don't run it as much. It's just, you know, we would run it more, but it, it, Brooklyn is a third the cost. And even though they, they're rolling the dough, they don't give it away to the company. But I had no idea when they told me that, that Ring of Honor, and is it all Japan or New Japan? <coughs> New Japan. Huh? New Japan. New Japan, yeah, they sold it out in two minutes. Wow. Against WrestleMania. Wow. Yeah. So wrestling obviously is well received everywhere. I mean, How did they get into Madison Square Garden? That's just, that's a question. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the power of social media. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a lot of pressure no. too. How do you say no? You know? There's a lot, a lot of things going on, but I think the overall positive side of it all is wrestling is is received uh, and still really highly regarded as top entertainment. And the fact that like Sting and I get to be here for a couple of days and you know interact with you guys, and trust me, we feel the respect. So we, we don't hate well. Private seminar, as you know, tomorrow for guys that were thinking about getting married. So <laughs> it starts at four. <laughs> Marriage counselor number one. Will you gentlemen be available this weekend in the Walk of Fame? Uh, the Walk of Fame. Signing autographs yes. in the Marriott? Yes. Oh, are you kidding? Among other things in the Marriott. I thought my prices were up here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Ric Flair and Sting, thank you so much for coming to Dragon Con and spending your time with us. Taco, drop that off. Don't cut me off yet, man. Can we go out? Hey, Taco. Drop down, leapfrog, press slam, throw him in the corner, chest press, I'll fall on my face, press slam again, with a floor kick for breath. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming out, everyone, and remember to go into the Dragon Con app. Rate this panel five stars, and next year we can have guests well, almost as fantastic as those two men. Oh, you guys, it was such a huge deal to be able to do that. What an honor to have shared any kind of time in front of an audience with those two guys. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to act like I was up there providing any kind of entertainment value on the level of what Sting and Ric Flair did. But just to have had the opportunity to be up on that stage with those guys was amazing and of course i've got to thank our, our pals joe crow and gary mitchell uh they they are key in so many of the things that i do with dragon con and uh going back even further i've got to thank our pals at eso the eso network uh mike faber uh, for being the one to 
help guide my foot into the door, I, I, I suppose you'd say, way back in 2012 when I started doing Dragon Con panels. Uh, Mike was the guy who, who showed me how to get on and uh, how to start bothering people to let me do things way back then. So uh, thanks to all those guys for, for the opportunities that have culminated in this kind of stuff. And uh, this year, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, it's the, the planning. It's February. The planning has started. Things are moving along. I already know what our Needless Things panels are going to be. Uh, I am hopefully going to be talking to our pal Derek on the horror track soon to figure out a couple of things over there. And I might end up with a little more free time this year. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, the idea of a Dragon Con with more time to just have fun and do some things, and I'm not saying that in any way that I'm going to be less involved, uh, but I like the idea of, of a little more open time. We'll see. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.